0: is not answered, that deliverance is not experienced, where it seems like God is nowhere on the scene, and what you thought was going to happen, the way you thought it was going to happen, when you thought it was going to happen, doesn't, what do you do then? Well, I want to read to you out of what we call the, the chapter of faith, or God's hall of faith, instead of hall of fame, the hall of faith. And Hebrews 11, I'm going to start at verse 32. I'm going to talk to you today about when your miracle doesn't come. Many of you in here today have been asking God for a deliverance or for a healing or for some kind of change of circumstances. And for some reason, it hasn't come. Maybe you're being persecuted, criticized, ridiculed, and God hasn't taken you out of that. And it's all happening to you because of your faith. Well, the Bible talks about that in Hebrews 11, and I'm going to jump into, uh, starting at verse 32, this is sort of the last third of Hebrews 11, and here is the writer saying, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets by faith. Can everybody say by faith? Here's what happened by faith. By faith, these people overthrew entire kingdoms. Wow. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them in this lifetime. They shut the mouths of lions. That's no doubt Daniel. Quenched the flames of fire. There are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness, when they were really weak and unable to do anything, was turned into strength by faith. They became strong in battle, and they put entire armies to flight by faith. Women even received their loved ones back again from the dead. That sounds great so far, amen? But that's the last part we just read, they became strong in battle. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Starting with women, that's verse 35, verse 35, women received but this verse is in two parts. I'm going to call them 35A and 35B. 35A is women receive their loved ones back again from death. But 35B starts this way, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. That's 35B. How many of you would rather have A than B? <laughs> right? Okay. It goes on. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Still others were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went around wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. They were too good for this world, these people of faith. Wandering over deserts and mountains, watch this, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet not one of them received everything that God had promised. Your King James or New King James will say didn't receive the promise, singular, the promise. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Father, thank you for your word today. Blessed in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God is good all the time, no matter what. Thank you so much. It's good to see all of you here today. And I want to talk to you about something you're probably not going to hear very often. Matter of fact, somebody said to me after the first service, well, that was kind of a heavy word. So I'll give you a forewarning. It's a heavy word, I guess. For me, it's an encouraging word, but I can see how it would be a heavy word. We don't hear much preaching like what I'm about to do in Western churches because I'm about to show you that sometimes God delivers you out of a trial, but other times he delivers you in the trial. He delivers you through the trial, but not out of the trial. Well, we like 35A, but we don't like 35B. It's more fun to experience, A. It's more, more goose goosebumpy to receive the miracles found in verses 4 through 35, A. And we really don't like to go into 35, B, through 40. But it's a part of the Christian life. And I've got to be honest with you, as a preacher and teacher of the Word, I've got to arm you with the full truth. Now, when you read Hebrews 11, and you should do it today when you get home, it's a great chapter, It's filled with incredible testimonies of the power of faith, what faith can do, Uh, miracles, breakthroughs, victories that are really stunning and astounding. You'll notice when you read Hebrews 11 that every single person named, and there's a whole bunch of people named, Old Testament luminaries, bunches of them. There's a long list. But with every single one of them, they all experienced two things— Either the ones before 35A and the ones after 35B, they all experienced two things. First, heaven's approval. All of them experienced heaven's approval. These all, it says, obtained a good testimony through faith. All of them. Those that got the miracles, those that didn't. Those that got the breakthrough, those that didn't. Those that were delivered and those that weren't. They all received heaven's approval. Second, none of them received what the writer calls the promise, singular. All of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Okay, you read that and you go, well, what in the world is the promise that they didn't receive because they lived by faith, they died in faith, and they had heaven's approval. So what promise did they not receive? Here it is. The promise was Jesus Christ come in the flesh, dying on the cross, and rising from the dead, for their sins and justification. They didn't experience that. These were Old Testament people. So they knew what was coming. They knew what was promised. They knew about Messiah, but they did not receive the promise because they died too soon. So they died in faith. They knew the Messiah was coming. They saw His arrival with the eye of faith down the road of time, They were assured of it. They greeted it. They said hello to it. They said, we know you're coming, Messiah. And they died believing that everything prophesied about him would be fulfilled. They died in faith, not having received the promise. Now, I want to pull in tighter on the verse I've already been focusing on, verse 35. And I want to point out that the first half, 35a, and the second half, 35b, when you make the switch in the middle of the verse, there is a marked change in tone and tenor. It changes. It changes. Because 35b begins with the sobering words, but others. Verse 36 says, still others. And then it goes into a list of what happened to these but others and their testimony and their experience as a person of faith who received heaven's approval and, and died in faith. But what they experienced in their faith was markedly different. 35A and 35B. What they experienced was very different. The first half of Hebrews 11, Paints an exhilarating, exciting, adventure-filled portrait of faith. We're told that by faith kingdoms were subdued, promises obtained, lions' mouths were shut, deliverance from raging flames of fire, and from the deadly edge of the sword were experienced. By faith, weak men received Herculean strength in the middle of their trial. And they literally, by faith, overcame and overwhelmed and defeated formidable armies that were much mightier than they were in the natural. Who wouldn't want to join the faith club reading from Hebrews eleven four 4 through 35a? I mean, if that's what faith does for you, then, hey, let's go be a faith man, a faith woman, because look what they experienced, these incredible miracles, these breakthroughs, these deliverances. Who wouldn't want to be in the middle of that? until you get to 35B. Then we shut our Bible. We say, oh, oop, oop, hallelujah, don't want to read that. I like like the first 4 through 35A, but others, but others. Now following the words, but others, the picture that we're presented of somebody who walked by faith and lived by faith, died in faith, is not really near as exciting. It's not exciting at all, really. You recoil from what you read, and hope that that's never you. Let me just tell you the truth about what's there. We discover people whose faith was not rewarded with fantastic miracles, jaw-dropping breakthroughs, or stunning changes in their circumstances. We find people that didn't experience these changes or miracles. But watch this, I gotta say it again over and over, these all died in faith, they all had heaven's approval, those in 35B and onward, their faith is just as strong and just as good as those from 4 through 35A. The people in 35B through 40 didn't have less faith, inferior faith. They just had a different experience and the result of their faith. One that, again, we don't hear much about in the West, and I don't expect you to be jumping up and shouting, but I'll tell you what, if I was preaching what I'm going to preach today in, let's say, Egypt or Iran, they'd be jumping up and shouting me down because this is exactly what they're experiencing. So if you don't amen me much today, I'm okay with it, but let me go on. We see in 35B through 40 that God either delivers you out of your trial or he delivers you through your trial, and it's God's call. In fact, really and honestly, if you read 35B through 40, in the world's eyes, the the people of their day, those Old Testament times, the list of people beginning in 35B looked like losers to the natural eye. They looked like misguided fools who made the silly choice of believing in a God that apparently wasn't going to help them. That's the way it looked. That's not the way it was in, in, in truth as far as God was concerned, but that's the way it looked. If we were to take the first half of Hebrews out of chapter 11, then believe me, the attractiveness of a life of faith takes a nosedive. Again, they all died in faith. They all had heaven's approval. They all went to heaven. They all received the amen of the heavenly Father. All of them. And 35b through 40, those people's faith was just as good as those in verses 4 through 35a. Their faith was equal. Their faith was just as good. But it was different outcomes. Let me, let me just take and, and just tell you the truth today, share truth with you today of what those in the last half experienced. Let me just give you some examples. It says they were tortured. They were tortured. People of faith who died in faith, lived by faith and had heaven's approval, they were tortured. The word torture means here is from a Greek word that means to beat a drum or to break on a wheel. And here's what it's referring to. It's talking about the torture rack. We've all seen in these medieval movies, we've all seen the kind of movie where somebody's on a torture rack and they're screaming as they turn that wheel. But here, here's the, the fact. He, he's referring to the torture rack. He's looking back in Old Testament times, and he's also looking at the time between when the Old Testament closed and the New Testament began, called the intertestamental period, and it's 400 years between the Testaments. And during that time, righteous people were still persecuted, still martyred they were tied to a rack by hands and feet and stretched across it to the point that every joint was pulled out of socket that's what they experienced those who died in faith, lived by faith and had heaven's approval all they had to do to stop this horrific experience was say okay I recant I I renounce Jesus I won't live this way anymore and they would have stopped the wheel let them off and They could have gone home, but here's what we're told in verse 35 they refused to be released that they might gain a better resurrection. Here's what they were saying rather than be raised off this torture rack by renouncing Jesus, I would rather be raised from the dead on that day of the glorious resurrection. That's what they were saying. Now, I told you this was kind of a sobering, heavy message, but hey, it's in the Bible. And it's in the hall of faith. Then we're told they suffered. They were tortured. And they suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Those that lived by faith, died by faith, and had heaven's approval. Let me just pull out one person from the Old Testament. Prophet Jeremiah, one of my heroes. I've read the book of Jeremiah some, several times all the way through in the last several years. If you want a picture of where modern day America is, read Jeremiah. It is a blueprint for modern day America. Jeremiah called when he was a very, very young man. He hesitated, he hemmed, he hawed, he said, How am I going to do this? And God said, You say exactly what I tell you to say, you do what I tell you to do. You're my voice, you're my mouthpiece. You go out there and you tell the truth to this nation that is about to be taken into captivity. So from his young adulthood to his old age, he preached the word of God. Jeremiah was beaten. Jeremiah was put in stocks. Jeremiah was put in prison. Prison. Jeremiah was ostracized from his loved ones. Jeremiah was the brunt of jokes. And Jeremiah... Was an outcast from society, alone and isolated, because he stood for God. He was a man of, I mean, it goes without saying, a man of faith. Lived by faith, died by faith, had heaven's approval. It's interesting to me that when Jesus asked his disciples, he said, Who, who do men say that I am? And the first thing they said was, Some say Jeremiah. Why would they say Jeremiah? Because Jeremiah, the suffering prophet, and Jesus, the suffering servant, were so much alike. So Some say you're Jeremiah because you're suffering like Jeremiah, the suffering Messiah, the suffering prophet. Jeremiah was very, very honest about what he went through as a man of faith, who had heaven's approval, lived by faith, and died by faith. He says in chapter 20, he says, I am mocked every day. Everybody laughs at me. He says, my messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. He was the joke of Judah's households, this man of faith. He says, I've heard the rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten. If you say anything, we're going to report it. Even, watch this, even my old friends are watching me waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on him. We we would say these are his high school buddies. These are his lifelong friends and they've turned on him because of the word of the Lord in his life because he's a man of faith. How many want this walk of faith? How many want 35 B? Jeremiah, it got so bad, it got so tough, he was suffering so much that he admits of wishing he could quit the ministry, get out of the prophecy business. Yet he he found this was impossible to do and he tells us why. He says, if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak any more in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. He had Holy Ghost heartburn. That's what he had. He said, "He said, if if I could, I would, but I can't. Because the word of the Lord is on me. The burden of the Lord is on me. The burden of the word of the Lord is on me. And it's like a fire. And I can't keep it in. If you try to shut me up, you're not going to be able to do it. I understand that burning. The word of the Lord is a fire. Jeremiah was a man under divine compulsion, though in the natural he wanted to get out of that which was bringing him so much pain and suffering and rejection and reproach, he could not do it. And so guess what? Jeremiah suffered and suffered and suffered in his calling. A man of faith, lived by faith, died by faith, and had heaven's approval. But look at how it worked out in time and space on planet earth. He wasn't in 4 through 35A. He was in 35B through 40. And there's no doubt that many in the church to which Hebrews was addressed had already been sent to prison or been martyred. Hence the apostles' words to them. And do you know that right now all over the world Christians are being martyred, killed as I speak? Do you know how many Coptic Christians have been slaughtered in Egypt since the so-called Arab Spring, slaughtered by radical Islam? How many Christians in Iraq and Iran and Russia and China, and we could go around the globe, have, have been not only persecuted but martyred? They are living 35B through 40. They are not experiencing verse 4 through 35A. He says, still others were stoned. Tradition says that the Jews actually stoned Jeremiah in his old age in the land of Egypt because he kept on preaching against their idolatry even after they had been exiled to Babylon. So as an old faithful man, this man who lived by faith, died by faith and had heaven's approval. He was stoned to death. You know what it would be like to be stoned to death? Have those stones striking your body, striking your head, and, and you've got to bear up under that until it's, it's over. Do you know what that would be like? Can you even imagine? And yet here's this old man. He took it. He's in 35B through 40. Others were sawn in too. Tradition also says that King Manasseh had Isaiah the prophet put into a hollow tree and sawed him in half. This brilliant preacher, prophet whose writings poetically soar above most the Word of God, chapter after chapter, accuracy, the, the one who so prophesied the Messiah so beautifully, so accurately. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah. saw it in half. He had heaven's approval. He died by faith, lived by faith. Still others were killed by the sword. Contrast this. It says others were killed by the sword, but in verse 34, before we get to 35b, we're told that they escaped the mouths of lions and they escaped from the edge of the sword. But in the second half of Hebrews, there was no escape. They were killed by the sword. Even James, one of the 12 uh, apostles and, and the inner three, you always heard, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. He was there in the Mount of Transfiguration. He was there uh, when Jesus called them to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray with him. Peter, James, and John. This James was killed by a sword. So 35A wasn't true for him. It was 35B. In fact, I would say that for every person who escaped the sword... There were many who did not escape the sword. Many more, I would venture to say. Well, Pastor Jeff, you're not preaching faith. Oh, I'm preaching more faith than you've heard in a while. Because it's not just faith to be delivered, faith to experience an immediate answer, but it's faith to carry you through the valley. To the other side, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Faith is good to be delivered out, and faith is good to be delivered in and through. I find it intriguing, especially in our day where the spread of radical Islam is all around us, that we find a scene in heaven described by the Apostle John where there's a vast multitude of martyrs gathered around the throne of God. John sees this. And listen to what John says. John writes, And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the Word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue nor accepted his mark on their forehead or their hands. Do you see what time frame he's talking about? We've got a multitude of people of faith who have died by the sword being beheaded for their testimony in the last days. And since it is radical Islam that loves that method... I have to believe that many of these that we see in Revelation that John saw 21 centuries ago are those that have been beheaded in our day and will continue to be by radical Islam. Now some of you are saying, well, Jeff, you ought not to talk about another religion. Why? Why shouldn't I? Shouldn't I tell the truth? Because it's radical Islam that has declared war on Christianity. And let me just be clear about something. The God of Allah is not the God of the Bible. It's not. If you read the Quran and you read the Bible, they are two completely different books. And the God presented are totally different. And they have declared war on the Jew and war on the Christian. And I might preach on this next week. finally here's what we're told someone about wearing skins of sheep and goats destitute and oppressed and mistreated this is the but others this is the still others this is the 35b folks someone about wearing skins of sheep and goats in other words they just killed what they could find for clothing they weren't wearing christian dior they were not shopping neiman marcus They were looking for anything that could cover them and clothe them. And then look look what it goes on to say. They were too good for this world. They were wanderers, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and hiding in holes in the ground to escape their persecutors. Where's Bob and Sue? Oh, they're in that hole in the ground over there. What about John and Mary? They're in that cave over there. These people of faith were not living some higher life by the world's standards. They were not experiencing their best life now. They experienced their best life later in glory. This is 35B through 40. I'm just preaching the Bible. I think of the man who worked for King Ahab who hid away a hundred prophets from the wicked Jezebel, and he put them in caves. He would herd a hundred of these prophets, true prophets of God, into a cave, and they hid there. They were taking little bread and water there, and they waited. And that's the way they lived, wandering, wanderers, fugitives from false justice. If If you looked at them, it looked as if the faith of those in the second half, 35B on it looked like their faith had not turned out very well for them. This is what faith has got you. Thank you, but no thanks. Their faith, had put them at odds with this present world. Can I tell you, church, our faith ought to be putting us at odds with this present world. you know the Bible says? Let me give you a verse. The Bible says, if you're a friend of the world, you're the enemy of God. Now, that's a harsh verse. We say, well, I don't know what that means. Let me tell you what it means. See, I love God's creation. I love the birds, I love the animals, I love the marine life, I love the sky, the stars, everything God made. It blows me away. I, I left my mother's party yesterday with a little vase of these beautiful flowers, sending out this fragrance, these exquisite plants. And I I said out loud, I don't know who all heard me, I said, God did this. Okay, And I'm, I love what He made. But listen, There is another, that, that's not the world he's saying that if you love it, you're, you're the enemy of God. He's talking about the world that is the world system that is devised and put together by the devil who's, who is, and he's the God of this world. It's that satanic, evil, godless, Christ hating, Bible hating, Christian hating, God hating world. He said, if you love that world, then you're the enemy of God. And and we're to, we're to, if you're really walking by faith, you and that world ain't going to get along. And we got to listen. Can I just tell you, church, we've got to learn to stand up and quit trying to be whatever the world wants us to be. What got these men in trouble was they said, I'm a man of God. I'm a man of faith. My alliance is with him. It is not with the things of this world. So I'm taking a stand for the truth and I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to break and I'm not going to back down. So that that means you you don't have your Christianity on Sunday and then you're like the world on Monday. You can't be all things to all men. Reminds me of a story. There was a very rich man. He had everything, he achieved everything he'd ever wanted in business. And he was very happy with his, his accomplishments, multimillionaire. But he reached 50 and he had never married. So he said, wow, I've got to find the right woman. So he made a list of everything that he would look for in a woman. And he had to take a flight. He had to take a trip. So he gets on the plane. Of course, he had money, so he sits in first class. And as he's sitting there, lo and behold, the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen walked in, and as fate would have it, sat right next to him. So he summoned up all of his strength, and he said, excuse me, dear. He said, what are you looking for in a man? I notice you don't have a ring on. She said, well, you know, I like him tall, dark, and handsome. So I got to say, I kind of like the Indian type, the tall, dark hair, dark eyes. She said, but I'll be real honest with you. I like money. So I like those Jewish men, too. And then she said, but there's also something in me that just likes getting in a pickup truck with a rifle on the back and going off to a campfire and cooking marshmallows and hot dogs. And so I kind of like country guys, too. She says, by the way, you haven't told me your name. And he said, my name is Geronimo Goldberg. But my friends... <laughs> My friends just call me Bubba. (laughs) Now, isn't that what we do? We try to be all things for all men. And, and, And on Sunday, we're Christian, and Monday, we're whatever the world wants us to be. And we're Geronimo one day, we're Goldberg the next, we're Bubba the next. But listen, everything else is coming out of the closet, church. Why don't we? Come on. And I believe if the church would stand up and speak up and get a spine and say, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. I'm not ashamed to call Him my Lord. This Bible is the Word of God. He came and died for the sins of mankind. And Buddha won't get you there. And Mohammed won't get you there. And hugging a tree won't get you there. But Jesus will get you there. And we would stand up and not be ashamed. We would see a change in this nation. He says, These people were those of whom the world was not worthy. These people of faith. And I agree. F. F. Bruce writes of a truth we don't often hear of in the West. He says, quote, Faith in God carries with it no guarantee of comfort in this world. This is one of the lessons the writer of Hebrews no doubt wishes readers to learn, but it does carry. With it, a great reward in the only world that ultimately matters, the world to come. Think about what we've seen so far. Verses 32 to 35a, we got triumphs, victories, successes, vindications of faith. It's exhilarating, it's exciting, it's motivating, it's stirring. It makes us want to live such a life do great things for God, expect great things from God, proclaim to the world what faith in God can do. And I agree with all of that. And I do. But then we see 35b through 40. And here's the truth, that those who live uh, godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We see that sometimes faith will not always produce what we had hoped for. We see that through 35b through 40. Faith does not always produce what you hope for. Sometimes God has another plan. So here's Scripture's advice. We should cultivate the same attitude that the three Hebrew children had, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... When they were faced with an option, you remember in the days of Babylon, when Judah was in Babylon, these three Hebrew children were told, you will either bow to the idolatrous image of Nebuchadnezzar, a huge giant statue erected of him, or be thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. And here's what they said. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. We know that. We know He can do it. He will rescue us from your power, Your Majesty. But then verse 18 says this, But if not, but if not, we want to make it clear to you, Your Majesty, that we're still never going to serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Boy, I like those three words, but if not, Lord, I'm believing you to open a door to deliver me out of this problem. But if not, I'm not going to let my praise go. I am not going to let my walk go. I am not going to let my loyalty go. I'm still going to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm believing for a door to open, a miracle to come, a breakthrough to appear. But if not, I'm still going down praising you, Lord, because I know that on the other side, my reward awaits me. The truth is, many times we're not healed, even though we pray. Many times we're not delivered, even though we know the one who can deliver us. And I'm talking about from trials. If you're in an addiction of some kind, you hang in there by faith until you are delivered. Because this is God's will for you to be delivered. I'm talking about from persecution, from trials, from difficulty that arise because of your faith. Many times God's people are not delivered from prison. They die there. Many times God's people die at the hands of their persecutors as they are experiencing right now around the world. Can God do these things we ask Him to do? Yes. Does He do these things? Sometimes. But sometimes not. Sometimes we experience 35A. Hallelujah, glory to God, that's the best. I love it. But sometimes we experience 35B. And either way, faith is operating. I personally am more impressed with those who go through a great trial over a long period of time and don't give up their walk and don't give up their testimony and don't give up their praise of the Lord, and, and, and th- than I am those who are immediately healed. You know, for instance, let me give you, for instance, Joni Erickson Tata, as a teenager, jumps off a diving board. Her neck hits the bottom of the pool. She's instantly paralyzed, quadriplegic, where she has been for 40 years now, over 40 years. The whole world has prayed for her. But there she's been for over 40 years, a a quadriplegic. But I heard her speak the other day. I I saw a YouTube of her. And there she is, still keeping her faith, her victory, her testimony, refusing to live a bitter, angry, defeated life. She said, you know what? I know that God could get me out of this wheelchair. But if not, I'm still going to praise Him, still going to serve Him. here's the bottom line. Can we stand together? Let me give you the bottom line. And I'm going to ask there be as little movement as possible, unless it's down this way in just a moment, because God really put it on my heart to pray for people today. But here's the bottom line. He's either going to deliver you out or he's going to deliver you through. But either way, it's still amazing grace. How sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. But then watch this. Through many dangers, many toils, many snares. I have already come. Was grace that brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for these precious people. Lord, right now in America, we're in the eye of the storm, raging around our world. But it may not always be that way, Lord. And if not, and we find ourselves suffering for the cause of Christ, may we remember this word. and lay hold of God and live by faith and die by faith with heaven's approval. Now, if you're today walking through a trial and you haven't been delivered, you haven't been taken out, circumstances haven't changed, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for just that grace in your life to be crystallized. I I prayed last night, I said Lord, let that silver thread of grace be interwoven through the service tomorrow. That silver thread of grace is here right now and God is knitting a fabric comprised of his people that are going to give him praise and I want to pray for you today. You say, Pastor Jeff, this was for me. Because I'm walking through and I'm not being taken out of. I want you to raise your hand all over this place. I want to see you. Bless you. I need that extra touch of grace, Jeff. I need it. I'm going to ask you, come down. Come down to the altar right here. I'm going to wait for you and we're going to pray. The Holy Spirit is here today. We're going to believe for his touch. I want to pray that you get an extra injection of His strength, His power, His grace. That your vision will be crystallized. Your walk will be straightened. And if you have drifted from the Lord Jesus, can I tell you, the porch light is still on at God's house. And I want to encourage you to come home. To slip out and come. And we're going to believe God. Let's just sing for a minute.